Welcome to Charlie's Toolbox, the only podcast that teaches you how to be the main character in your life. Here, you can find all the tools and skills you need to decenter men, center yourself, and feel good about your life. Here's your host, researcher, observer, and marketer, Charlie Taylor. All right, so welcome to Charlie's Toolbox. Today we have a new series called Women Centering Themselves. This series highlights women worldwide working diligently to seek what they want out of life and carve out their own paths. I chose women from various backgrounds, age groups, and fields to show you models of women choosing themselves. And I have an amazing and brilliant woman, Belise from Birmingham, Alabama, um, she graduated at University of Alabama um, with a broadcast journalism and bachelor with a bachelor in broadcast journalism and a master's in marketing and management from Adelphi University. Um, I brought her on because I'm always receiving questions from you all on social media on how do you center yourself. How do you decenter men? You know, what does that process look like? And I think that it would be great to see a variety of ways of how people are centering themselves and how um, people are dominating their fields and how they are living their lives. And I want to give a provide an array of women who can give you some actionable steps and techniques to center yourself and to provide some answers that may help you think about what that looks like in your life. So I gave a little bit of background for Valise, but I would love for you to tell me a little bit about yourself. And also, I I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yes, you are correct. Okay. You got that right. (laughs) Okay, perfect. That is how you pronounce my name. She, um, Gave you the basics, but I'm a, I'm a publicist, and I also co-own a business with my best friend called The Queendom that we are in the process of building right now and raising funds for. But um, I've been being a publicist now for about, tec- well, technically about 10 years, but I've been on my own and created my own firm back starting in 2019, and I've been doing that since then. And yeah, like you said, my, my life has been decentered for me. <laughs> And really has always been about community. So it was not hard to like do that hard, that real like transition of moving men out of the center of like my orbit in life. Cause I kind of had already had that philosophy most of my mm-hmm. life and saw most of the women that I grew up around doing that inadvertently. They probably weren't consciously doing it, but they mm-hmm. just kind of did it. <laughs> I like that. Because that was actually what's going to be what my next question was, was like, you know, what sparked it? Were you just surrounded by it um, from the women in your family or were that was that like a philosophy that you had? And then something sparked it and it was just like, OK, you know what? I'm going to internalize this. This is going to be like what I'm going to hold firm on. So, like I said, I grew up, both of my parents were very big on us having community. Like, they were both very big on that. Neither one of my parents, I did not see a marriage where my mom made my dad her world, and nor did my dad make my mom his world. They Mm -hmm. always had their world with each other. Then they had their friends, their family. Like, my parents are the friends that go on trips with their girlfriends, and they got Mm -hmm. friends every year. I know all of my parents' friends as my uncles and aunties. Like, they were Mm -hmm. very integrated into our lives. So I never saw the dynamic where it was like, 
oh, they're always together. Your parent, like, they do everything together. Every de- like, they made decisions together. They did stuff together, mm-hmm. but they just never smothered each other. So that already was ingrained in me to never be in a relationship where that person was the only thing that I had mm-hmm. um, in the first place. But my dad would always be like, "You different." He'd be like, "You different." I don't, I don't know how this. One, like when he was telling mom, "This one ain't gonna, this one ain't gonna go, go well with the way the world say women are supposed to be." And go. Like this one is not built like that. She built like her mama times a hundred. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, so I just kind of I knew from a young age that a lot of stuff that we were taught about boys and girls did not make sense to me. Um, mm. I didn't get the language for it until I got to college, of course, and got to get deeper into learning stuff because I minored in women's and African-American studies, which mm-hmm. led me to reading bell hooks, which led me, me you know, reading deeper into Toni Morrison and so many other different um, great black women philosophers and even some black men that had, had done these things. Right. But I was actually in a relationship from the time I was 14 to about 20 years old with my high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say he set those standard, like really high because mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that grown men do, he didn't even do as a teenager. Like we had a very good relationship. Like even to this day, we're still really good friends because mm-hmm. we always were really good friends within our relationship. And he treated me a certain way. And I grew up with all these men in my life treating me a certain way. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. it was just really easy to be like, oh, y'all don't want to treat me like that. So no, thank you. Like, I just would rather not. Right. Right. (laughs) Like, please get out of my orbit. I don't want to be around you. (laughs) Exactly. Like, that was, I told my daddy, you told me, man, like, we're going to be a certain way. But what you didn't tell me was that they was going to be broke, too. Like, you didn't... <laughs> you left that part out. You, you didn't you let me know about was, that. <laughs> yeah, you let me know it was going to be broke and broken. You told me they was going to be broken, but you ain't let me know it was going to be mm. broken and broken, so I can't do both. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I know your dad was like, oh, you a trip for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have very open and honest conversations with my dad, and I also think that helps with me being able to not center me in my life because me and my dad we chop it up for real like he's never mm-hmm. hid to me hid from me how other men can be even at a young age because i developed early so he mm-hmm. was telling me at 11 he was like hey some men are creeps this is what they're gonna do because you look this way um it's not your fault like don't internalize that there's nothing wrong with you um i knew who what your wow. mama looked like when i married her so i knew what a possibility mm-hmm. with my daughter was gonna end up looking like so like he yeah. never has made me feel like the way men are is my fault. Neither like neither right. one of my parents have made like don't internalize and not just men, but the world's actions. Like they talk to me openly about you're a dark skinned woman, you're thicker. Mm-hmm. So this is how mm-hmm. people are gonna treat you within the community and without the community. Um wow. my mom was so big on don't silence your voice just because oh, people are going to label you this, people are going to label you that, but you still be yourself. But, you know, she taught, you know, in ways to be respectful mm-hmm. of other people, but right, don't right. ever not be yourself. And you know what? I really appreciate that about your family because I feel like there's a lot of times that families set, especially girls, up to fail. Like, they don't give them that conversation, but they have experienced those things like that. They have experienced, like, trauma, or they have experienced um, how men operate, but they never relay that information down to their children. So, like, for you to get that, I know that was, like, hella empowering, and, like, 
you were set up in a way that you weren't going to fail. Like you, you knew what the world was coming into it, and you did. You weren't going to fail in that. You weren't weren't going to get duped in that. You weren't going to like uh, uh, fill away because you already had a solid foundation with your family. So I really do appreciate that your family did that because not a lot of girls get that. So yeah, a lot of when people's you, families miss out on their part. Like I feel like they, they think because you're a kid, you don't know. Like, oh, I don't want to tell a kid that. But it's like, there's a way to tell a kid the truth, but still in a mm-hmm. kid-like way that they can understand right. it. And they can take it and, you know, that knowledge grows and apply it. Like, my dad never told me. Um, he always jokes and be like, I knew you was going to go to college and come back a psycho feminist. I knew it. I knew it. Like, you was already <laughs> almost there anyway. Um, <laughs> um, right, but, right. But it's funny because we have the relationship now where I can even check him on certain stuff when he says stuff. And, like, he'll even mm-hmm. call me and be like, I know what I'm about to say is old school and misogynistic, so don't <laughs> tell me what's wrong and why it's wrong. And I'm going to say mm-hmm. it anyway because you're my daughter and it's a safe space, so I, I know how to fix it. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. the relationship that we have. So I don't make like expect them to be perfect. They came from my parents right. Generation X. So I expect them to be Gen X. But right. they are not they're not a lot like a lot of people in their peer group. They're a lot different. Mm-hmm. Like even their whole philosophy on raising kids was totally mm-hmm. different than their peers at the time. Like a lot of the gentle conscious parents that we see now, my parents were doing that with me and my brother when it wasn't really like a thing wow. and it wasn't popular and it wasn't a whole bunch of books and stuff like it is now. So it's yeah. always funny. I laugh at my mom and be like, girl, you was onto something. You should have um been started talking to other parents. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Get everybody else on board because they want to beat their children so bad. Jesus. <laughs> but but I, I really like that you guys have that open dialogue. And I feel like when you have that type of relationship, it's not it's not hard to center yourself because you already have been like taught up under that. But I do have a question, like, even though you have centered yourself your whole entire life, has there ever been a time where you felt like you were steering off or you felt like you were kind of wavering from that solid foundation that your parents have instilled in you. Um, oh. and if there was a time, were there any patterns that you noticed that like, it was like, okay, that's a red flag. That's alarming to me. Let me get back to what I know. Um, most definitely. I would say I would have, like, two, like, occurrences in my life that really, like, stick out to me. Mm -hmm. And one was with my high school sweetheart because he really wanted me to go to school with him. But Mm -hmm. I I knew where I always wanted to go to school. And I did not really want to go to school with him. But I considered going to school with him because I loved him. And we we grew up, me and my high school sweetheart, we grew up together. I've known him since I was, like, 12 years old. So Mm -hmm. we were not just, you know, a couple. We were really good friends. Like, we're, we're literally family to this day. So, mm-hmm. I did consider, like, for a second, like, going to school with him and being like, okay, you, sh- you might should go with him because he also was playing football. He was really good at football. Mm-hmm. It was a possibility. He was going to end up going to the NFL. All this mm-hmm. stuff. So, I'm like, well, well, he's going to have a better. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what just made me be like, mm-mm. Like, I, even at, like, 18, 19, something clicked in my head. I was like, mm-mm, girl, don't do it. Don't do right. it. Just some click, some in the back of my mind was like, just go to school where you want to go to school. If y'all are going to work out, y'all are going to work out. If it don't work out, you will be completely fine and you will get through it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it'll break your heart, but guess what? You won't die. So right, <laughs> right, right. I'd rather do that than regret that type of decision. And looking back, I'm like, why did I do that? That that doesn't make sense, you know? Exactly, because I would have been up there with just him. And mm-hmm. I mean, of course, I'm the type of person that I am, I would have made friends and made my own life. Um, and, but really, I'm like, I don't want to go to your school. I don't want to be up here. I want to go to school with my friends and do things we said we was going to do. Like, right. So if we love each other, we'll make it work. That's how I felt. <laughs> That's so funny that you say that because I kind of have a similar experience. So I dated my high school. Well, we were friends when I was like 13 or 14 and I didn't start dating until I was like 18 years old. And while we were dating, um, we had the same kind of conversation like, oh, should we be together? What should we do? What should our college look like and stuff like that? And I remember thinking to myself, man, I'm about to go to college. And they said college is when you have the most fun. And as much as I like this guy, I'm going to have to break up with him because I want to have some fun while I'm in college. And I don't want to be tied down to a relationship. And as much as I love him and care about him, I really want the experience of being young and being single in college. So I'm going to have to do what I want to do. So it's funny that you are, you kind of, it's not similar, but it is kind of similar where it's mm-hmm. like we had these moments in time where it's like, okay, I could be with this guy or I can have my experience in life and choose the things that I want to do. And we chose ourselves. Exactly. Um, and that actually, that end up not being the hardest time, the funny thing. Because, you know, like your first love, everybody was thinking your first love, oh, that's your deepest one, that'll be your deepest heartbreak. I don't, after going through life, mm-hmm. I do not feel that way. That is not always the case. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because when me and him, it, like, it hurt. Don't get me wrong, it hurt. When we mm-hmm. broke up, it was, a, it was a mutual decision. We both just realized we were going in two different directions, so it really hurt. But as I said, it was a second instance in life. Um, mm-hmm. this was a man I thought I was going to marry. Mm-hmm. We, um, we had a really good relationship. He ended up getting diagnosed with a mental health disorder, um, mm-hmm. that played a big part in why I ended up having to leave him mm-hmm. and leaving okay. him was really hard because I didn't want to feel like I'm leaving you because of your mental health, that. but I am because you're not willing to do what you're supposed to do. Mm. to take care of that part of you and because of that you're destroying me and if I stay here you're going to destroy me so I had to make the decision to leave him alone even though mm-hmm. I did not want to I really loved him I really like he is he was somebody that I could build a life that I imagined for myself outside mm-hmm, of him mm-hmm. with so that was a hard decision that's a hard time to choose yourself when you really love somebody yeah, and you're watching yeah. them struggle but I did and I live yeah. the day. So, ladies, you can do it because you're going to live. I promise. Like, yeah, you're going to yeah. You're going to do all that. Yeah. I promise you'll live. So, how, how did you know that that decision was right? Because a lot of people have these questions of, you know, they're trying to find their path. They're trying to find love and their career. And they have these big questions that they're asking themselves. But how do you know that that was the right thing for you? Honestly, like, I listen to my good... Like if mm-hmm. my my gut say uh-uh, it's time to go from somewhere, it's time to go, and that's with anything, not just with mm-hmm. men, that's with jobs, that's what. If my body say it is time to go, it is time to go. 
Um, and I think that the way this system is set up, we all are not as in tune with our bodies as we should be. Because a lot of times our bodies tell us stuff before it even click in our heads that, that something so ain't true. right. Um, I was I was getting sick. That was when I found actually around the time, like not too long after we broke up, that was well, while we was in a relationship, I had the symptoms of PCOS, had no idea what that was. And what wow. was going on, but it didn't really flare up until 2019, and that was because mm-hmm. of my job, in conjunction with my job as well, the stress mm-hmm. of it. And when I ended up leaving my job, that my my symptoms started getting better with PCOS. Wow. But when I left him, there was a sense of peace that that came over me. It wasn't like a sense of like anxiousness, worriness, and mm-hmm. I and I don't like using the fact that like oh you made the right decision. Cause I don't know, quote unquote, I made the right decision for the rest of my life. I might, I made the mm-hmm. right decision for me at the time, mm-hmm. um, but I knew it just because how my body felt. My body felt that peace. My mind felt that peace, and that's how I kind of gauge the way I make decisions. Will I be at peace? Is my nervous system regulated while I'm making this decision? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, it usually tells me I need to go back to the drawing board and find a, a better solution. Um, from what I'm trying to do, but yeah, it was kind of just like a sense of peace that I had. Yeah, and I feel that like when you say your gut, your body, and your gut knows it really does. Because when I was in a relationship that I kind of knew like I wasn't compatible, but I just was still up in the air about what decision should I make, and my stomach would ache every time I would be around this person. Like, when we would go out, my stomach would be, like, on fire. It would just hurt so bad. And I remember thinking to myself, like, that really is your sign. You need to stop bullshitting. You need to start just taking that as what it is and just make a decision to leave. And um, luckily, I ended that relationship, and I felt, like, a sense of relief. I talked to my best friend after I ended, and I was just like, whew, I'm so glad that I did that. I didn't realize how much it was hurting me until, like, I let it all go. So I get that feeling of, like, just tapping into your stomach, your, your gut, and really, like, if you're, not, if you're not sitting well with it, let it go. Pretty much. I'm like, I think we make it complicated. We're like, oh, how do I know if I need to leave? How do I know if I need to do this? Well, baby, the fact that you're asking all them questions right there. That tells you your answer. The question. Yeah. Probably the indicator that you mm-hmm. know you this is over. And but that's because I like I said, it goes back to the system of driving the point that longevity is what makes a relationship good. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that having a long relationship is bad, but me personally, mm-hmm. I'd rather have a really good relationship. And if a really good relationship is over in a year or two, I'm okay with that. If a really good mm-hmm. relationship only lasts six months, but we walk away from this thing not hating each other we both have grown i prefer that than just staying with you because we've been together for a length of time and mm-hmm. oh now out like of obligation saying, out of obligation because that was kind of mm-hmm. my high school sweetheart we both said that we would never sacrifice our friendship for our romantic relationship and when mm-hmm. it was getting to the point where i don't where we don't like each other my guy we was like we gotta go like we can't keep doing this because we don't want we said we were not we would not be this way so we both mm-hmm. stuck to that promise that we made to each other when we were kids i like that a lot i really do so when you are now that you you know you had these moments where you were just kind of like questioning whether and what decision to make after you had those moments what boundaries did you set up for yourself 
in the future so that, you know, these moments won't be so hard or these moments won't come up again. Um, now I set those boundaries and expectations up front mm-hmm. with men that I'm dating. And also, I'll just be completely honest. I let me know I'm really not in the space right now to be serious with anybody because I'm very busy with building mm-hmm. my business. And I know that I don't have the capacity to be a fair partner right now. Somebody who would be a good partner right in this moment because my baby is my baby is my businesses. And Mm -hmm. as we know, babies require a whole lot of attention and time. So I just kind of just set my boundaries up front with myself and with them. I just let them know like, hey, this is is what it is. This is what you're getting into. This is what you're going to get from me. This is Mm -hmm. what I'm able to give. And if you're willing to accept that, then we can continue, you know, to make whatever arrangement works for us. But if not, Mm -hmm. I let people go. I just, I be honest. I'm honest with myself and I'm honest with them and let you make your decision from there. Right, because that's all you can do. That's really all you can do. So now that now I kind of want to switch gears. Like I know we're talking about relationship, but one of the biggest reasons why I reached out to you is because you are a career woman, and I've kind of followed your um, advice um, when it comes to publicity and just kind of um, public speaking and all these things that you. Uh, tapped on. I um, research your business. The was it the Queendom box? Yeah, the Queendom. Um, yeah, we had the Queendom Beauty box. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to hear a little bit more about your career and like what inspired you to be an entrepreneur. Ooh, so I had this plan that I was, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like as mm-hmm. a kid, I was literally the kid that was, I had lemonade stands when, <laughs> when like, burning CDs, uh-huh. yeah, when burning CDs was a thing and everybody, didn't, CDs. <laughs> yep, everybody didn't have a computer. I'd be the person burning mm-hmm. everybody's CDs for five, selling them to them for five dollars. Five dollars, like what you want? Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that's yep. how I got my fir- my first crime mod CD. I bought it for someone on on a bus. <laughs> yeah, so that was literally me. So the the spirit of entrepreneur has always been in me, and I knew mm-hmm. that I eventually wanted to start my own business one day. My goal was to work in corporate America until I mm-hmm. was thirty five, but then uh, that didn't work out how I planned for it because I realized I am not built for corporate America for real. Like I'm not. <laughs> It is. Okay. So you were discussing how you went about um, becoming an entrepreneur, and you said that corporate America wasn't the place for you. Yes. So corporate America was not the place for me. And while I was there, though, I used that to start building up my clientele for my Mm -hmm. public relations business that I now have. And I got my first client and I worked for her for free because I just wanted to see like if I was actually going to be good at this and let me try mm-hmm. this with her business. And I was actually good at it, which her network ended up letting me meet a whole bunch of other people who then became my clients. And then I'm like, okay, well I can actually do this. And it was my, that I started doing it in 2016. Mm-hmm. So it was, my goal was okay. By 2020, I was going to go full into my own business. Well, it was about May of 2019. No, March of 2019. Mm-hmm. Everything in me just kept saying, it's time for you to leave this job. 
crazy part is I had just got promoted, got a raise, got a nice bonus. Wow. And I'm like, but I don't have all the money I want to have saved up. I'm not done with mm-hmm. I was in grad school at the time. I'm like, I'm not completely done with grad school yet. Like, I have one more semester of grad school. I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. Like, right. I'm not ready to quit my job yet. Like, I, I had this, like, I had this amount in this plan. But literally, it just kept, like, I got clear as day from the Spirit. Leave your job in May of 2019. Wow. I'm like, and that's such a... That was such a like weird time. No, no one knew what was going on at that time. Yeah, so like with regard like, to COVID and everything. Oh my god! Exactly. So I mm-hmm. so I gave them my notice, and I I get, literally was like probably like a month and a half notice. Well, they got like my company when I said I was a high performer. They were they did not want me to leave, so they were trying to do everything <laughs> to get me not to leave. And when they realized that I wasn't budging, they were basically like, "Well, we're mad at you, so leave now, and we'll just pay you." Like you're here, so them people wow. literally paid me like I was working for like a month, and I didn't work. <laughs> like well, I'll take it. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I'll that's fine. I'm not gonna argue with that. Exactly. So, um, in that time though, I ended up working with who is now a signed gospel artist to Motown, Jonathan Trailer. I got to um do his his hometown concert where he announced oh, wow. his signing, and that kind of opened up a lot of doors for me. And then, of course, we fast forward to 2020 and the pandemic happens and all of them doors get slammed shut. And I was projected to make like the year 2020, I was projected to make like probably around like $275,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was projected to make that with the different contracts that I had gotten. I had Mm. closed my first six figure deal. Like with the company, so just one company was gonna be paying me six figures. I had, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, not yes. I'm not mad at that. I'm like, yes, it's time to go. And then, whoop, March 2020 happened, and it was like, skirt, no, it's not time to go. So that was not a fun way to truly start full time entrepreneurship. No, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How, so like how did you I'm sorry my dog is right here so he he wants attention every time I laugh is he thinks it's his time <laughs> too um but so once you quit your job you got your career going you got your contracts and then boom COVID happened how did you stay motivated like how did you keep going with all of that stuff going on my community um, I have an amazing community from my parents to my friends to my brother to even my online community. Um, one of my I would never forget one of my followers reaching out to me, my mutuals, and her saying, mm-hmm. You get to be sad, you get to be mad, but you don't get to quit. Oh that was a that's sweet. That is such a sweet motivating statement. And that sticks with me to this day. Like, even when I'm having a bad day in business or a bad moment, Mm -hmm. I get to be mad. I get to be sad. I get to feel all the things, but I do not get to quit. You get to lay down. You get to rest. You get to regroup. Mm -hmm. You get to re-strategize. You get to do all that, but you don't get to quit. So it was definitely that. And, of course, thank I was luckily in that time, Mm -hmm. like, grateful that it happened to everybody. So, the government yeah. had to do something to help everybody out since that was, you know, every something we were all going through. 
Mm-hmm. So I was grateful for the extra unemployment. Like, but even though, like I told people, I was like, yeah, that was a blessing to some people. But for people who was making way more money than that, they had me penny pinching and script, script, you know, like, <laughs> changed, <laughs> it changed my life. Like, lifestyle. that helped, but that's not my lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful right. because I didn't, I didn't have to miss not one important bill i didn't have to like yeah, worry about not yeah. getting repossessed i didn't have to worry about not having a roof over my head so all my needs were met and i'm, I'm more than grateful for that and, but also it gave me time to really sit down and narrow down what i wanted to do who were the mm-hmm, customers mm-hmm. that i wanted to serve so i kind of completely pivoted my business in that time i moved out of the entertainment and sports space so much mm-hmm, and moved mm-hmm. more into a um cause driven space so like if you look at all the clients that i serve now mostly Mm -hmm. all of them are very cause driven i do still work with corporations on one off basis on all kind of different things but my retainer clients all of them have a bigger messaging behind what they do and why they do what they do wow so what would you say around what time like what year was it that things kind of started to change where you start to kind of get back up from the the hit that COVID gave you it was definitely 2021 I would say Mm -hmm. the end of 2020 was when it really happened because I met oh she's actually my client now but at the Mm -hmm. time she became my boss I I was working as a social media copywriter for her get social um with Tasia Smith and mm. she was like, I love your voice. I love the way you tweet out. She's like, I think your your social media style would be great for the clients that I have. So I ended wow. up working with her as a copywriter for a few months. And then I was like, hey, she talked about taking her business to the level next level of PR. I'm like, well, I still do PR. I'm like, it's just, I got knocked down um, for a minute. But I'm like, so she was like, well, you want to do the PR for me as well? So I started doing the PR for her. And then when I really got back into PR, Mm-hmm. I removed the social media copyright role and just focused back on doing PR, building up my clientele. Like, luckily, I had a couple, you know, I had a few loyal clients and they're stuck with me even during mm-hmm. that downtime or whatever. But it, like I said, it wasn't the money that I was used to making. But in 2021, I did my first um, Civilized Festival, which was a drive-in concert and conversation where we brought community wow. leaders in Dallas we had independent artists in Dallas do a great, like, it was really fun driving concert, super successful, which then turned into a one-day festival in 2022. So, like, my wow. growth kind of went, my growth kind of went from, like, oh, all this stuff halted to now, like, everything, like, is just getting like, magnified. Yeah, yeah, times 100. Um, and then in 2021, I closed the deal with REI for, um, I started working with REI for one of my clients and then we ended mm-hmm. up having wine and waterfalls with outdoorsy oh. black women and that's an event that we have in may and it's actually coming up again this may so it that was i would say like 2021 was when my real wheels really got to turn in i didn't make mm-hmm. all the money i lost back but i made a good i kind of got back to living the lifestyle that i was used to living and right, so now right. now in 2023 it's it's just it's, it's like it's actually like I feel like this is about to be the year that I'm like mm. I'm here I'm here to stay and I ain't going nowhere like I feel like this is my year for that but 2021 and 2022 were the years that I built up all these relationships and all these things for this to be that year that is so good I love this story and it's so inspiring like to it 
because sometimes people think that like you don't have lows in your career and you don't have these barriers that you have to overcome and they just think either you quit or you pivot to something else but to see like you get hit by covid and then you just rebuild and not only do you rebuild you rebuild to something even bigger and better that's just like so inspiring and so amazing to hear and i am curious like when you were going through those phases how did you keep your confidence up like how did you keep make sure that okay i like you said uh you can cry you can be mad but you cannot quit how did you ensure that you wouldn't quit once again and i know people probably think i'm joking community can like, <laughs> like but you know but it's true though when you are down <laughs> your community picks you up yeah like, and having, that's how i get through it exactly and having and like i'm fortunate i live with my best friend and so, oh, so she jealous. knows me she knows me well enough to know when it's a time where she needs to leave me alone or sometimes mm-hmm. say come on v let's get up like let's go get outside this house and let's go Let's go sit down. Let's go talk about what is it that you want to do next. Like she, mm-hmm. and so having somebody that can do that. And then once again, having parents, the parents that mm-hmm. I have, I do not take that for granted because my parents are as A1 as parents could possibly be. They sound amazing. They sound so amazing. And I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm even curious how they, because you know, like, that is a new style of parenting and a new style of being, and people can be very judgmental about that. So even them keeping firm on how they want to parent and raise you guys is like kind of inspiring, especially for that generation and especially for being black too. Yeah. Um, my parents, my mom, she spoke life into me mm-hmm. and she does that any, anyway, every day she prayed with me, my daddy, um, I always tell people I have very arrogant parents, so like, and very arrogant <laughs> grandparents in the way, in the sense that they're like, you're my child, so you're gonna be fine. Like, you're like, mm-hmm. they always have put that in my head. Like, my granddad be like, I ain't make no jump. Like, he said, <laughs> like, I can't make nothing ugly, baby. Or stupid. I I can't do that. Not in right, my right. So I know that put a little pep in your stuff, like yeah. So you know, like you you keep that stuff in the back of your mind, like because mm-hmm. I've been told that all my life, like whatever you that. go through. My dad always says, "Don't be out here like you ain't got no folks." Like he always says that you got people, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. don't ever. And so I don't go through things alone. I don't care how horrible it is. I'm not going through it alone. And that's how it's supposed to be. That's why that's why you need community and community needs you. Exactly. And huh? I'm really hoping we get back to it at yeah. large because COVID highlighted. If COVID highlighted nothing else for people, mm-hmm. community is the only way we're going to survive. Right. Mm-hmm. And what I like about what I like about you is that you can center yourself and you still can be in community. Some people have a, like, odd understanding of centering yourself. They think it's, like, just being completely selfish and selfless. And to an extent, it is. But at the same time, it's also about community. You can be, you can center yourself and still be about community. You can take care of people. You can be there for people. um, Because that is also breathing life into you. When you give back, that makes you feel better. 
that helps you with your joy. Um, and I know that from like volunteering, every time I volunteer, I come out, even though I'm helping others, I come out feeling like lighter, feeling inspired, feeling happy. So mm-hmm. I like that you're, you can show what that balance is of centering yourself, but being a part of community and having them help you, but also you helping them. Yeah. And it's really about your boundaries in that case. I think, Unfortunately, so many people just grew up in unhealthy dynamics and unhealthy environments that mm-hmm. I feel like when they start to heal, sometimes I say you can go so far left that you end up back right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand where it comes from because it's still it's still a place of brokenness because right. you don't. And to me, it's because you don't trust yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't trust yourself to say no without having to be mean. Like, I don't have to be mean to tell you, no, I'm not doing something. Or to say to my, like, I love my friends, but my friends know there are certain things they cannot call me about because I'm not listening to it. I am not the friend for that. (laughs) So do not call me with it. But they absolutely know. Like, for example, I am the friend that when my friend was going through a divorce and she's not from this country and she didn't have any family to lean on, we like we went and got a bigger house so she could mm. like if you want to leave that man you got a way to leave that man you don't have to right. stay there just because you're stuck like i am that friend i will do that for you all day long and then i will give you the time like to get yourself together and yep. be right there in the trenches with you what i'm not mm-hmm. the friend for is for you to call my phone crying all night about some nappy headed dude that i've been talking no. to leave alone. <laughs> i'm not that friend like i'm not either <laughs> I feel you on that one. I, I tell my friends that too. I'm like, uh, it, I'm not the good. I'm not good at venting. You, you you can vent to me, but like you got one, maybe two times to vent, and then like if you haven't found a solution by now, like I'm not trying to hear it. Um, Same. It, it's just I I feel like you want an audience at that point. So I definitely understand that, and I am curious when you are erecting boundaries, when it's friendship, when it's romantic, when it's career. Like, what is going through your head? How are you telling people this is what you need? How what What is the process that you do to, you know, relay that information? Honestly, I just communicate very directly. I don't really mm-hmm. beat around the bush. I, I specifically say, hey, this is what I need for this relationship mm-hmm. to be X, Y, Z. And I think the hard part where people don't like communicating that is because somebody might say no. Mm. But it's okay. But the thing is, they get to say no. And right. you know what I get to do in that case? If they are mm. worth keeping in my life, I mm-hmm. readjust my expectations and reassess my boundaries. Okay, well, this relationship is going to have to change since you're not able mm-hmm. to give me what I need. Or, mm-hmm. like you said, leave. I just leave it completely. Mm-hmm. It just depends on, you know, the situation. Because sometimes, and I think that's something, too, that people overcorrect with. Mm-hmm. Oh, like because I'm I'm on this new level that I can't I can't be around these people who are not there, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily yeah. the case. You mm-hmm. just have to start, change the way the relationship looks sometimes, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean you have to completely throw the relationship away. Because a big yeah. part of the community is that's you true. have to give people time to go through their own journey and be re- and realize that everybody is going through their own journey, and everybody mm-hmm. won't end up in the place that you are at. Like that's right. just factual, right? You and you can't force nobody to do what you want. Like, exactly. People gonna do exactly what they want when they want. So either you make room or you get out of the way. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I am so happy that we were able to have this conversation. 
Is there anything that you want to leave off with? Um, do you want to plug in your businesses? And uh, are there any ways to contact you or reach out to you? Um, you want to share that with the community? Please do. Yes, so I do have my PR business. I never people always ask me, "Are you accepting new clients?" I never really accept new clients, but if you, <laughs> make, if you make sense, if you're if what right. you're doing makes sense and aligns with what I already have going on, I can and probably will make room for you. Um, you can find me on Twitter at the In Hood Publicist because I call myself the Neighborhood Publicist because I'm like that little old lady that's always watching every little thing going on. I know all the things, <laughs> even if I don't spill it all the time. You know, mm-hmm, so I just mm-hmm. I watch. So you can follow me there. I'm, I will interact back with you unless you're insane. Then I will completely ignore you um, <laughs> and will. But you can also go to my business website, sincerelynicole.net. I, I have a lot of stuff coming up. My clients are doing a lot. So you're about to start seeing them probably everywhere. Yeah, I just have multiple events coming. Like I said, Wine and Waterfalls in May. That's for Black women and Black women only. I'm uh, going to go. I'm going to try to look at that. Yes, go on outdoorsyblackwomen.com. You can sign mm-hmm. up for the app. And then th- we have payment plans, so you can put it on a payment plan. You ain't got to pay off mm-hmm. all of it up front. It's a super fun time. It's a retreat Thursday through Sunday. We made it. We added an extra day because that was the biggest complaint by the ladies. Add us an extra day. We needed one more day. <laughs> so we added y'all this extra day this uh-huh. year. Um, it's all, The tickets are already selling. It's not sold out yet. But mm-hmm. it's getting there. They're it's already selling pretty yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and it's gonna be. It's gonna be. I can't tell you everything yet. Yeah, it's yeah. coming out next month. But it's gonna be a great okay. time. So you don't want to miss out. I promise you. Grab your girlfriend and y'all go ahead and come on. Come on okay. down with us in Georgia. And then I have another big thing come up here in Dallas. We're doing a Juneteenth festival at Fair mm-hmm. Park. I'm in conjunction with um, six other organizations. And people around here that share the same vision for community, for service, and connecting with with one another. So we have combined our talents along with Miss Opal Lee, the grandmother of Juneteenth, to put on a very good um, educational and entertaining Juneteenth experience for you all. So if you're in the DFW or if you got time to travel here, come in and spend your Juneteenth weekend here. It's going to be a great time. Wow. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to end this session. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. For show notes, be sure to check out charliestoolbox.com. Follow Charlie on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Charlie's Toolbox. Thanks again for listening to Charlie's Toolbox.